Thoughts high, spite lights like a lightning strike. Left in the dark will turn mice biting on your mic. Thundercrats gives you a fright, your plight sealed all night. Light the candle. The pit of power is more than you can handle. No video game enemies to strangle. You see, if you unplug this society, there would be many people staring at an empty screen. Saying, what does it all mean? Get out and ask people living in the scene. But now if you don't know, you Google it. Living on Facebook, what's love got to do with it? Dreaming of being the next YouTube phenomena. What is wrong with you? I better suck on a thermometer. You got the fever, there's nothing that is stopping you. Except for the spyware shutting down your monitor. Before we start this episode, let me tell you a quick story. On April 2019, I had a very big choice to make. It was a choice between being the national team physio for the Philippine Davis Cup tennis team in Thailand or hosting my guests for this episode. The choice was a very difficult one. However, I decided on staying in Manila and hosting Sean. He was a revelation. His knowledge combined with his generosity made the big decision worthwhile. Although I may have not served my countrymen in Thailand, by bringing Sean to Manila and letting him share his knowledge to physios, coaches, and trainers here in Manila, I believe that in itself is a service to the profession here in the Philippines by uplifting it with practical knowledge. Although COVID happened, Sean and I still got in touch for him to share the philosophy of his profession through the podcast. It will be two information-packed parts, so I hope you can join us for both. The Movement Revolution Podcast would like to present Fitness Optimization Part 1 with Sean Sue. I would like to introduce my next guest who is as brilliant as he is generous in sharing his knowledge to his students. His expertise has brought him from his home in Toronto, Canada, to faraway places like Kenya, and most especially in his native Taiwan and Movement Revolution's home, Manila, Philippines. He has and is currently working with athletes of all disciplines, such as national bodybuilders, basketball players, CFL players, MMA fighters, and semi-professional track runners. I have seen his unique view on fitness when I organized fitness optimization here in Manila. It was evident due to his background as a therapist who focuses on facilitating the body's ability to heal and as a certified strength and conditioning specialist who helps athletes achieve general physical preparedness up to specialized physical preparedness. The Movement Revolution podcast welcomes our dear friend, Sean Su. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going, Ollie? Great, great. How are you feeling? Not bad. It's, uh, it's early in the morning here in Toronto. I got my coffee ready, so can't complain, you know? Yeah. Things are good, right? Yeah, things are great. And uh, also to hear to... from you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, it's it, it, weird times right now, but like, you know, here in Toronto, we're starting to reopen all our clinics, so we're able to go back to work. So it's great to, to be able to, you know, kind of touch people safely again and, and, mm -hmm. and, and just kind of teach movement the way that we, uh, we're used to. Yeah. Uh, like when we talk about movement and especially when you did the course here, there was a lot of stuff like control electrical rotations that um, focused a lot of some mobility, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in regards to your, so you're asking about the courses or the particular, the movement itself. Uh, it's just that I remember from the course that we discussed control articular rotations. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 
controlled articular rotations. It's it's actually a term that's coined by Andrew Spina. He's a chiropractor here in Toronto. Um, so it's 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 a uh, it's an idea that he came up with, and it's it's an interesting idea because it's it's about how we're slowly losing our ability in our capsular rotation. And he he talked about how. Um, rotational movements in the joint really kind of is the only way to maximize the sensory receptors in our joints and our capsules, which is true because if you look at uh, most of the literature out there, joint capsules uh, and ligaments uh, in terms of activating their proprioceptive uh, response and their sensory receptors, you have to explore extreme ranges of motion in order to, to I guess, to stimulate those receptors. So that's, that's where he came up with the controlled articular rotations uh, is, is basically trying to maximize the extreme ranges uh, within the capsule and I guess to stimulate the receptors that haven't been stimulated in a while. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the background foundation of controlled articular rotations. Sorry, I, I forgot to ask about um, how you started, of course, in fitness optimization and the courses that you do in Taiwan, it's not just about controlled articular rotations. You also discuss a lot of like assessments, uh, even yeah. for, yeah. So how did you start coming up with the, with the concept and then starting to bring it to Taiwan? Oh man, this is, this, this dates back, uh, four or five years ago. So it was, it was interesting. It was uh, like, it really started off as a simple conversation with one of my close buddies in Taiwan. Uh, his name's Edward. So um, he's my, he's my elementary friend. And we just kind of started discussing about, you know, the potential or the, the basic understandings of, of fitness professionals in Taiwan. And this is, I remember this is 2016 summer of 2016 or summer of oh, summer of 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came over because he had just quit his job uh, back then, and then he just wanted to travel and just, you know, uh, get in touch with his old buddies. So he came over to Toronto, and then he started to ask me about questions of, uh, with regards to fitness and rehab. And then he said, uh, you know, we started talking, and he, he, started to t- t- he started telling me that the knowledge that I currently know back then is probably very valuable to the people in Taiwan because he's back then he was very, very into fitness as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So really it started off like that. So we just kind of, you know, went off and said, all right, well let's, let me try to put something together and then, um, and then you handle the stuff in Taiwan and try to get some, some participants. Um, and so we, we did it. We went along with it. And I think I started off with like 10 people in a class which is more than I wished for, to be honest. And it, it really started off very, I guess, like without any sort of intention. Like it just, I just wanted to, you know, deliver some of the knowledge that I know. And then, you know, one thing grew to the other. Um, there are more people interested in the class and the course content. And then, you know, with me, you know, eventually like, like yourself, Ali, you, you start to learn more and more as you yeah. go along the years, right? So you start to refine some of the understanding and the concepts that you, you once knew. And then I guess eventually just kind of flourished into the fitness optimization course. It's, um, it's, 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 it's something that I'm comfortable teaching because it's, it's laid down with solid, I guess, research 
Um, and I use it personally in my clinic. So it's not, it's not like I'm trying to be a hypocrite. So it, it's really trying to share some of the understanding that I know and I use in a practical setting and, and amalgamate uh, other research information that kind of, you know, uh, help facilitate the course itself. So that's really how it grew. And then slowly with, with uh, you know, uh, with knowing you, uh, knowing people from Kenya, um, you know, it just kind of grew to that stage, I guess. Yeah, we got to mention about Edward Chu and his team and no one applied training in Taiwan because they do such an amazing job over there. So if oh, Edward's listening, hey, bro, how are you? I hope you're doing great. <laughs> Oh, they're, they're, I'm sure they're doing great. Yeah, Taiwan is, great is doing Taiwan, a right? great job right now. So yeah, I'm sure they're, they're doing a lot better than most of us. <laughs> so when you started in Taiwan, it's just probably in one city. And then as you went along, you, you started doing it in a couple of cities. And I think you even w- went to China recently, right? No, no. So China uh, was supposed, it was supposed to be part of the plan. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, uh, so this year before the entire COVID thing, yeah. uh, I had, I had plans to go to Hong Kong and China and as well as Malaysia, but, um, but because of the COVID thing and everything had to put, be put on hold yeah. and be delayed. So, it's so yeah, but it's okay. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I really, I can't complain. I mean, I get to, I get to see my kid grow up and all that. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Even your, even your return here was kind of blocked by the COVID. So it's that's kind it. Yeah, of bittersweet. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sad actually that we couldn't um, build up upon the first time that you went here. But now we are yeah. here still doing some, uh, still communicating. So maybe there's still hope that we can bring it back soon. Yeah, I mean, the silver lining is that you start to realize the um, what you miss, right? So mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, it was it was a great experience going to Philippines, right? Like the people there are so generous, and I mean, Ali, you're a great host too. So hey, thanks, it's, bro. Uh, yeah, man. So it, it's it's I definitely miss that. Definitely miss that. Yeah. So actually, I asked some of our um, our past participants in fitness optimization that happened, like, and I, I asked them for some comments, and one of them told me. I'll just translate it for you. Uh, he likes how you explain it because um, the pediatric kinesiology, you were able to I- incorporate it with strength and conditioning and mm-hmm. then with contractions in a new range that you were able to use as a, in the treatment. So he's mm-hmm. able to apply this stuff right now in his practice, even though he's using it for or applying it to an older generation especially yeah. for those with shoulder problems. So that shows how much uh, our participants got from just going to that, that course with you here in Manila. That's amazing. That's it. That's, you know, those are the type of things I'd love to hear because um, when I design courses, it's all about applicability, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not huge on the, just the theoretical stuff. I mean, those are important because, you know, you need some sort of research base to, because that's what we do, right? Like we, yeah. we want to be as, as, as evidence informed as possible. And mm-hmm. we try to employ some sort of research based, uh, you know, foundation onto people, but it's really about the practical portion, right? So, mm-hmm. because if you can't translate that, you know, what's the point of talking about all these different theories and, and, and what's the point of sounding smart, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so no, yeah, it's great. And, and I think um, it's, 
it also kind of shows how I think it's, it's important to give credit to all those people who have, have been able to kind of flourish these different theories, such as PNF or proprioceptive mm-hmm. neuromuscular facilitation, yeah. right? Because really in the end of the day, uh, what I talk about in fitness optimization is, is, is PNF based. It's, it's, yeah. it's a type of, of, of a stretch, right? But mm-hmm. um, it's, it, I guess it's more of an active type of stretch and it's called a contract, relax, antagonistic mm-hmm. contract, right? To be specific or, or I usually just say the acronym crack, right? <laughs> so, so, so right. It, it's, right. it's, it's, it's simple as that, right? It, it's really a simple concept, but people just, they forget. And I mean, it, when we look at the grand scheme of things, PNF, there's so many kinds of PNF as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm really just kind of, I guess, embodying the, the contract, relax, antagonistic contract concept, um, but, and, and just kind of demonstrating in all, all different kinds of joints, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so it, it, if, if, there's, if there's evidence, this is back in the 1980s when these, mm-hmm. these researchers figured it out. And, um, and they've been showing a great, you know, great response in, in their, in their clinics and their, their lab. And, you know, so it's, it's, it makes sense that it can, it can, it can work. Um, so yeah, I'm just happy to be able to kind of share something that previous, I guess, our mentors, I should say, have been able to kind of guide us. I'm actually glad you mentioned PNF because, um, you know, it's taught to us in PT school, but then I also did some. Um, extra education about PNF under IPNFA with Dr. Wang mm. from Korea. And mm-hmm. it kind of just brought me to a deeper understanding into PNF and how I can just uh, bring it into my practice. Because as you just read it from the book and just get tested by it in PD school, it's just like, it's just a concept that you just can't see happening in your clinical life, if mm-hmm. I may say so. So, uh, amazingly, when you brought uh, fitness optimization back here in Manila and uh, all these concepts about contract relax that we, we tried, but then this part about irradiation, you just kind of mm-hmm. like make made more sense in how I, I could use PNF um, with patients. Yeah, yeah. For sure, it's uh, it, irradiation is uh, again these, these these stem from like guys such as uh, oh man it's it's uh, Pavlo I think that's his mm-hmm. name uh, mm-hmm. he's he's a guy from Europe that I really want to take his courses but um, but you know he only does it in Europe so it's kind of tricky right now <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> uh, but but he's a, he's a movement master and he's mm-hmm. he's um, he's I don't think he's any he's he's not he's not known as any sort of professional but he's just he has a knack for for what he he does good at um which is which is just being able to move his body and and control his body really well so the concept of irradiation really comes from him and then of course andrew spina from toronto Mm -hmm. uh kind of flourished the idea as well but the concept of radiation is is being able to control uh, or tense up your entire body so that you're your number one, you're you're limiting the possible compensation pattern that comes mm-hmm. from joints other than the target muscle or the target joint rather, um, and you're trying to move that particular joint to the best of your capacity, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so irradiation, you know, it, it's it not only facilitates the ability to move a particular joint better or understand the active range of motion of the particular joint. But it also teaches people how to control their core system, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's it's irradiation in itself is is 
it is a technique and a skill that you need to learn first before you can employ a proper, I guess, controlled articular rotation. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I so I, I wouldn't say radiation is something that, that everyone can do. It's, it's definitely something that you have to build up for the client in order to achieve it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, for some people, I, I mean, Ali, like you and I, we, we see a lot of people with lower back pain or, and, sure, yeah. and stemming from a lack of dynamic stability. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for these kind of people, we're not going to be teaching like cars and, and irradiation right away. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to be, you know, employing some sort of dynamic stability first, maybe get their TVA working first and mm-hmm. they, then their RA working, you know, and they're in their multifidi and all that stuff. So, so it's, I think it's definitely a stepwise uh, progression to be able mm-hmm. to achieve or achieve something like irradiation, but it's something that's definitely important if you want to achieve uh, like a controlled articular rotation, for example. So does that mean um, you focus on the core more so that um, in, in, the, in the hopes that you can progress into a better, a better irradiation? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think I, everyone has a different school of, school of thought, right? Mm-hmm. So personally, I'm kind of a believer in lumbopelvic control. Uh, mm-hmm. over everything else. That doesn't mean that the foot is not important. That doesn't mean that the cranial faults are not important, right? But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is when we're, tr- because Ali, when you mentioned earlier the general physical preparedness into special physical preparedness, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's important to realize that as we move along that spectrum, uh, we, have, we, we can't deny the fact of the importance of the core. Uh, the idea of proximal stability facilitates distal power or distal performance. It holds true, right? Like when yeah. you look at athletic mm-hmm. maneuvers, if you don't have a good control in your proximal, you know, uh, sure, body, yeah. then you can't, you can't distribute power, uh, uh, you know, or distribute force uh, mm-hmm. uh, responsibly. Right. So, so I think it's, it's, it's important for me to look at it in that sense. If I, if I'm moving along the spectrum, I need to see that ability for someone to control their core. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't have that core control, then, you know, I, I have to get that down first because to me, that's priority. Um, but at the, at the same time, it, it's all individualized, right? If someone yeah. doesn't really give a damn about like, <laughs> um, you know, distal power, then all right, w- whatever, like let's, let's get them pain free and whatever. That's fine. And you know, we can treat them as a case by case basis uh, and just kind of manage the pain that way. Um, but like if someone is down for optimizing their fitness or optimizing their health, it's my responsibility to look at that as a priority. Yeah. Like every person can be different, but, um, and if their goals are different to what you want to bring them, at least you have to adapt and give them what, uh, what you think can help them. Exactly. Exactly. That's point on. Just going back now to control the rotations. Yep. What do you say when people ask? if it's any different from between stretching or if it's any different from stretching. Oh man. So that's uh, tough. tough because so I've, this is, yeah. 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 I've, I've encountered that kind of question. It's kind of like, yeah, I want to learn probably you would be better equipped to, to tell me right now or tell the mm-hmm. listeners right now, how you would explain something like this. So I, Anytime, usually I'm pretty good at avoiding that conversation with a particular client (laughs) because I I hate to get into a debate of which one is more important than the other, right? Because in my opinion, I think every modality has its place. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just because there's so many research out there is pointing out that, oh, stretching doesn't create any physiological changes in the muscles. It doesn't mean that it's not important, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, hate to, I hate to get into that comparison. Uh, the best way that I usually describe to clients, if it ever gets to that point, is I tell them that those are two different, think of it as two different sports, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to compare basketball to soccer. Right. So because they're two different sport requiring two different types of movement strategy, require two different employing two different types of rules. Um, so I, I usually tell them that, you know, don't think of them as equal or, or one better than the other. Mm-hmm. Rather, think of them as two different modalities that is in play uh, according to how your body is. Right. So, yeah. you know, when you look at stretching and, and when we talk about stretching, I, I'm always thinking about just static stretch because that's yeah. a classic type of stretch that people do. Right. Yeah. Static stretching is great in, in terms of achieving what it wants to do. Right. Because uh, static stretch, it takes away the GTO response. Right. So you're mm-hmm. really kind of decreasing the passive tension within the motor t- uh, muscular tenderness unit. Um, and it's it, it decreased the viscoelastic properties, right? So, and for someone who's in pain, I mean, it's a great strategy to employ. It, you can't take away pain by just doing static stretches. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about employing some sort of mobility and employing some sort of increasing some sort of range of motion, uh, you you have to do something that's a little bit more active, right? I mean, yeah. that's why PNF is a lot more effective in terms of increasing range of motion than static stretch. And that's why controlled articular rotation is going to be better at that as well, because you're, you're, you're stimulating an active component in your brain. There's no yeah. denying the fact that something a little bit more active is going to stimulate more yeah. cognitive control, right? So, and then stimulating more motor, motor cortex activity. So it's, there's no denying that. So, so I always say like, you know, passive stretching is passive stretching. It's, it's similar to me doing some sort of passive manipulation in your body right or mm-hmm. passive mobilization in your system mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't employ any active components but it takes away pain response it, it changes your your sensory motor um sorry your sensory affluent information within your mm-hmm. sensory cortex right so it achieves the job that it does but in the end if you want to employ some sort of mobility or increase some sort of mobility you need to include some sort of active component to it yeah, and so like, that's that's the best way I, I explain to the clients yeah. in a nutshell, I guess. Like for example, we're talking about the shoulder. You also want to get some kind of mobility and control with that shoulder joint when you try to do a whole, like for example, doing the control articular rotation for the whole shoulder, the whole circle, right? So you exactly. want to bring in that that shoulder control to increase some mobility with that person. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, and, and if we start to get into the rabbit hole and, and start <laughs> being a little bit more, more, I guess, specific with what we, what we want to achieve, um, range of motion is, is something that I think is great because I mean, it, it's, I look at it range of motion as a prerequisite, right? So if you, mm-hmm. if you don't have the range of motion that you need to facilitate what you want to do in your functional activities, then injury is going to be a risk, right? Because let's say if you want to do an overhead snatch, right? Like Mm -hmm. a a snatch, it requires you to bring a a load overhead. Um, But if you don't have the range of motion of 180 degree flexion or abduction, 
then you don't, you don't hold that prerequisite of doing yeah. that particular activity, right? So I look yeah. at range of motion as a prerequisite. So controlled articular rotation, PNF, these are all ways to increase that range of motion that's needed to meet that uh, requirement. But yeah. when we talk about proprioception, I think that's a little bit different because there, there are many studies out there that shows how joint capsular uh, mechanoreceptors Mm-hmm. They can only be activated at extreme ranges of motion. So that means that if only at extreme ranges of motion can you activate uh, these, uh, I guess, capsular mechanoreceptors, it doesn't, it doesn't impart any sort of proprioceptive response. Because if, if only at extreme ranges of motion can these mechanoreceptors be stimulated, that means it's more of a defense mechanism. Yeah, that's cool. So that's when very we're, interesting. So when we're looking at controlled articular rotation, we're, we're challenging that defense mechanism. We're, we're trying to teach the body and I guess allow the body to adapt to a different defensive mechanism so that it doesn't start to impart some sort of stretch response or a spas- a muscle spasm response. Um, and you can start to build capacity within those ranges. So even when we talk about controlled articular rotation and PNF, it just provides extra tool and an extra, um, I guess, extra, I guess, uh, factor uh, to imp- increase your capacity to build towards what you want to build uh, mm-hmm. for your goal, right? So I think everything has its place. And um, just because fitness optimization talks about this doesn't mean that this is, this is you know, this is it. And this yeah. is the only thing I need to do, right? So the, the strengthening, the, the iso, uh, isotonics, the eccentrics, those are still extremely important to build that capacity towards what you want to do. But CARS, PNF, it just provides you with that extra range of motion that is needed um, to impart that re- requirement to, to, to reach your goal. Yeah, not, and not just even um, like where if we just talk about, for example, a pitcher trying to get a extra ex- external rotation. It doesn't have mm. to be always about PNF and cars because, for example, if you have a cable machine, you can try to like put a little weight so that you increase the external rotation as long as it's very safe to the client or to the, or to the person, yeah, right? For sure. So it, what, what it just shows us is that, yeah, you're right. Uh, we're just trying to get a little bit more range of motion for uh, improved capacity or improved skill of that athlete into a sport. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there are lots of, of, of studies that demonstrate how uh, if you do like a crack or a controlled, artic- uh, controlled relaxed antagonistic contraction, which is basically mm-hmm. what is, is talked about in fitness optimization, if you do that before a particular training session, it, it, you can start to increase the amount of, um, I guess, uh, fitness capacity that you can do. However, that being said, it doesn't mean that it's green light for you to do high intensity stuff yeah. because there are studies that show that doing uh, like a PNF maneuver before an intense, intense session actually increases the risk of injury because it makes sense because, because PNF in itself, it takes, it's, it employs more range of motion, but it takes away the stiffness within mm-hmm. the tendons, right? So, mm-hmm. and when you start, start to do something that's high intensity, yeah. You need to have that plyometric response. You need to have that viscoelastic property within the tendon. 
So it, it makes sense that, you know, you got to be careful with what you do after a PNF session. But when we talk about uh, like a slow controlled weight training, um, mm -hmm. oh yeah, green light, go ahead and get that done because it's the best time to maximize that range of motion that you've built, right? So, um, so yeah, so it's, I, I think it's, it's important to know uh, where this particular technique can be in play within either a rehab session or within uh, a fitness session. That ends part one. Thank you for listening in. Again, please join us for part two of the fitness optimization episodes as we started off with the five different categories Sean employs when taking on a strength and conditioning athlete or client. By the way, you can check Sean's IG, which is movefit underscore Sean, and also his website, www.movementfacilitation.com. Please follow my FB and IG, oliverscgp.advancement, or better yet, turn on notifications in those channels. You may also email me at ollie at opadvancement.com to find out when we release part two. Many thanks to our graphic artist, Veronica. And we truly appreciate the contribution of Hannah's Rhymes to the show. Please check out his social media on IG at Hannah's Rhymes. And of course, his songs on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. These are just thoughts going through my head A moment of reflection that you soon forget Imagine a world without the internet Where you can't download your intellect These are just thoughts going through my head A moment of reflection that you soon forget Imagine a world without the internet Where you can't download your intellect Hashtag trending, Snapchat, Insta, Periscope, Esports, BuzzFeed, Tinder So many ways to meet people online No one ever has one talk at a time Messenger, WhatsApp, groups pinging everywhere Better make it happen now, wait a minute, no one cares People press like, they think it means something Everybody's real like should mean something Now if you don't know, Wikipedia, who remembers encyclopedias? If you need a holiday, Expedia, Skyscanner, Airbnb, much media The shopping online make us greedier But it's even to the needy now easier I can't even hold it together WWW, we write whatever New tech updates, we can phone updates, can't really why wait? Search for new mates. Nothing when it's private, it's all in the cloud. Is this a maintenance even allowed? You used to shout from the hills to be proud. A good signal will sort you out now. Virtual reality is high definition. The secret to the things in your life you're missing. Blog your way into the big time achievements only exist if they're online. Apparently, people used to use landlines, agree to a mutual place and time. But what happened if they changed their mind? How about sat nav? How did they find it? Midnight stuck attack, have a copy cabbage patch, technophobic, there's probably a nap for that. These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet where you can't download your intellect. These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet where you can't download your intellect. <laughs>